At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tagan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State, and I am your host, Josh Rayleigh. And man, I am just now back uh, for about a day or two from my rutcation, and uh, man, it was it was fantastic. What a what a gift uh, from my wife and my parents and uh, my wife's dad, who kind of all chipped in to help watch the kids and sort of hold things down at home while I was able to make a trip for two straight weeks to Wisconsin with no other responsibilities than to um, hunt and get my work done at night. I had a fantastic time. Uh, one of my regrets, though, I wasn't able to catch up with everyone while I was up there that I was hoping to. So, man, if I didn't get a chance to catch up with you, sucks. I'll be up in the spring, though, and I am looking forward to turkey season already. So this week's episode is going to be all about my rutcation. I'm going to kind of walk you through day by day, Uh, how things went, the mistakes that I made, the successes that I had or didn't have, some of the setups that uh, put me on the deer, and uh, how I was able to combat, um, number one, crazy weather, number two, intense hunting pressure like I've never seen before on this spot, and come away from that with uh, a nice buck. So um, anyway, before we jump in, though, I do just want to say a quick thanks to our partners. First of all, Tacticam. They are the title sponsor of this show, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as the How to Hunt Deer podcast. Uh, Man, last week was an absolute grind of a hunt. And when things got busy, when things got hectic, when things got heavy, when I was just down and not feeling like carrying a bunch of camera equipment in, my Tacticams went with me anyway. Because the Tacticams are super light, they're super compact. All you got to do is make sure you've got the one on the end of your bow, I also had a 5.0 wide that was on a little bendy clip and, you know, bring those two things in and I've got confidence that I'm going to be able to capture my hunt, get the shot on film. I don't have to bring, you know, the big heavy camera arm and the shoulder and the actual big camera and all of that. And uh, yeah, man, I I loved using the tactic cams while I was there. Unfortunately, I did not get the shot 
on camera. This buck just came in a little bit too quickly, kind of popped up over a rise. Yeah, wasn't able to get that, which is super unfortunate, but he was like, I don't know, 15 yards away when he stepped out where I could see him, and so I, I, I wasn't having... Uh, wasn't going to be messing around with much of anything. But if you're looking to film your hunts, you should go check out their new 6.0 camera. It's got 4K 60 frame per second footage, up to 8x zoom, uh, waterproof housing. They also make uh, an adapter so you can attach it to the front of your bow, which is awesome, and some dedicated adapters for uh, other weapons as well. So go check that out at their website, tacticam.com. Next up, Huntworth. Uh, man, like I said, the weather was absolutely crazy. It rained. It was hot some days. It was cold some days. It was windy pretty much every single day. And uh, it seemed like no matter what, the one constant was I wasn't getting the perfect weather uh, that I was hoping for. But my Huntworth gear kept me kept me comfortable. It kept me dry. It kept me concealed. Uh, I had a couple of instances where I got winded by deer. And even though they could smell me and they were kind of looking around to try to figure out where I was, they couldn't see me. That tarnin pattern had me absolutely blended in uh, and you know I, I mentioned during the uh, during my hunt I was wearing their rain gear for a good bit of it and uh, man that rain gear is really really good stuff I've never had rain gear before that actually kept me dry you know usually you get done with it and you're like I don't even know why I bothered with this but the Huntworth rain gear performed super super well I was bone dry beneath it at the end of my hunts so I highly recommend you go check that out also we're getting into that time of year when temperatures are starting to drop I had a chance to put their heat boost line into action and man it kept me toasty warm i was wearing the saskatoon pants the saskatoon jacket as well as the saskatoon vest and uh, absolutely loved it all you can go check all of it out at their website huntworthgear.com and then we've got deer lab man trail cameras played a huge role in my getting this buck and keeping all of my trail camera data stored and organized in one place where i could go and look and use their features and make data-driven decisions was a game changer for, for getting on this deer. Right now, you can get a 30-day free trial of Deer Lab by going to their website. The trial is totally risk-free. They're not going to ask for your credit card or anything like that. When you're ready to purchase, though, use the code WISCONSIN, all caps, so you can get 20% off of any of their plans. And then finally, Onyx. Um, this was an extremely aggressive hunt. And what I mean by that is I was very, very mobile. I was constantly moving. I was always looking for that next place. Uh, if I was walking out or walking in, you better believe I was scouting on my way in and out, marking things on my Onyx, and Onyx played a huge role in my success on this hunt. I found the spot uh, within the spot where I really needed to be hunting by using their exaggerated elevation feature, uh, which if you haven't used that yet, go to their web map where you can find that. If you're not using Onyx already, uh, maybe you're using a different app. I highly recommend you go give Onyx a try. You can find them in your preferred app store. And if you sign up today, you can get a seven day free trial. So thanks again to all of those partners. Thanks to you for listening and tuning in each and every week. Uh, without my partners, without you guys, and without my family who helped me, I couldn't do cool stuff like this podcast. And I certainly wouldn't get to go on two week long rutcations like I just did. So thanks to everyone involved. Now let's get into that story. And I'm going to kind of begin by breaking things down day by day. So I left here in Georgia on a Sunday afternoon, started driving, headed for Wisconsin. My original plan was to stop somewhere along the way, grab a couple of hours of sleep, get to Wisconsin sometime around midday on Monday, maybe go do some scouting, check my trail cameras, and then be in a stand on October 31st, right? Halloween night, that magical afternoon of the year. Um, 
But as I started driving, my cell cams started lighting up. And the closer I got, the more pictures of bucks that I was getting. And so I actually never stopped throughout the night. I never stopped to take a break and, and grab a nap. And I ended up driving all the way through. I got to Wisconsin just in time to walk to my tree and climb up. And so, man, I'm sitting there at, at first light and it's just like everything's a whirlwind. You know, I've been up for 24 hours at that point. But, hey, I'm hanging in a tree in Wisconsin and I'm pumped. I'm uh, downwind of some doe bedding. It's a, it's a great spot in the past. I've had a lot of really, really good encounters there. The access was not quite as good as last year. Previous years, I could rely on where some other folks had been going in and out to kind of make a little bit of a trail. This year, they were not using that spot. So when I tried to go in, man, it was an absolute disaster. I made so much noise trying to get into the stand that morning. Uh, I get into the spot and I make this raccoon very, very upset. So I would take a couple of steps and the raccoon would kind of like chase after me and then I would turn around and face him and he'd kind of turn and waddle his way off. And then as soon as I would turn around and start going the other way again, the raccoon would start chasing me again. So not only is my access not good, here I am, you know, 75 to 100 yards from the stand or from the tree that I want to be in. And I've got this raccoon that I'm trying to uh, to, to fight off. Eventually, though, he, he got bored with me, I guess, and left me alone. Finally got to the tree where I wanted to climb, and uh, it took me forever. It was, you know, I haven't been doing a lot of climbing. haven't been doing a lot of practicing. This tree I haven't actually been in since last year. And so, anyway, it, just a lot of work. Sat there for a little while. I'm downwind of a doe bedding area. I'm expecting a buck could come cruising through at any moment, right? And the, the camera that I had at this specific location is actually an SD camera. So I had no clue what had been working its way through there, but my cell cameras were telling me, that there had been some big bucks in the area. Well, I get there and I get settled in at about 7.45, maybe 8 o'clock. I hear something back behind me and I'm sitting there and wondering, man, what, I wonder what that, what that is. It doesn't sound like a deer, but I can't really tell what it is. And all of a sudden I hear a grunt and uh, it, it's a dude. It's, it's not a deer grunting. It is very clearly a person that is grunting. And it turns out this person really, really likes their grunt tube. You know, first of all, they ignored my car that was parked out front and uh, came in right on top of me. It should have been fairly obvious, like, hey, there's somebody back in here. Maybe you shouldn't come back and hunt, but whatever, benefit of the doubt. But then they start playing this grunt tube like it's a flute. And if that was you, I'm very, very sorry. Perhaps we can talk about your technique. Uh, if, if you reach out to me and, and that turned out to be you, because I ended up getting down, I started walking out, and uh, I, I, walk, I walked underneath the guy. But this, it was like 12 o'clock at this point. So I was thinking uh, he's probably already gone. But anyway, so I hear the guy grunting back behind me. And I'm like, okay, this isn't going to be good. But hey, I'm going to stick it out. The wind is right. It's October 31st. I'm downwind of doe bedding. Couldn't really be in a much better place. I end up not seeing a single deer for that sit, which is really, really odd for this, uh, for this spot in particular. Not only that, when I got in there, the sun came up and I could tell there was one rub in the area and there were no scrapes around. There were no other rubs around, which is also really, really odd for this area. So already I start thinking, okay, this isn't right. Something's wrong. What's going on here? That afternoon, the wind begins to switch. I go ahead and pull out. Again, I walk underneath the guy. Hey, if you're listening, my bad, man. I didn't didn't know exactly where you were. Found an easier way out though. So luckily my egress was a lot better than my access from that day. 
But that afternoon, I had a, an east wind, and I didn't think I was going to have a lot of other east winds. So I decided to go and do an observation set over a bean field. And I know an observation set on a bean field probably does not sound like a very good move on public land. But last year, I had some cameras set up along this field. And during the rut, during November, I got a ton of bucks daylighting in this public ag field. Now, I don't know if nobody was hunting back there last year or what the story was, but there were several really good bucks daylighting in this field. And it was kind of secluded. It was up and over this hill and back behind it is this marsh. So I thought at least I would get there and maybe see some does pop out and kind of tell, okay, here's where the concentrations of does are coming out into this field, maybe capitalize on that a little bit later uh, in, in this hunt. So I get in there, there's a lot of sign in there. Turns out, I think it was all just nighttime sign because I didn't see a single deer, but, but that did give me some intel though. What that told me when, you know, not a single deer stepped out into this picked ag field, uh, is that that field is being hunted really hard, right? Like you should at least see some does and fawns or something like that coming out into the field, unless it's being very, very pressured. And so I assumed, okay, it's being pressured over here. That probably means the marsh behind it is kind of being blown out as well. So I sit this observation sit, I kick it back to the house where I'm staying. And at this point I've been up for like 40 hours straight. I'm about ready to pass out. So I go home, do some podcasting that evening and decide, okay, tomorrow morning, I've got the right wind for this scrape that I would like to go hunt. It's not very far from where I sat on day one in the morning, uh, about 200 yards to the north, but it's a really good scrape. And actually on that first morning, I had a good eight point come in during daylight, which was kind of a kick in the pants while you're sitting in the tree not seeing anything, hearing a dude playing a grunt tube right back behind you, and your cell camera sends you a picture of a nice eight-point that you would be very, very happy with. So next morning, day number two, I head in there to this scrape. There are no good trees around it. I think it's one of the reasons that this spot is good because there is literally nowhere to climb a tree. So I set up in this kind of little ground blind area that I had sort of not cut out, but like moved the branches around in such a way that gives me really, really good cover. And I actually did that last year and it's, it's kind of held up. It didn't really grow out into that very much for, for this year. I get in there and man, the winds are just swirling. Like there are points that I'm like, okay, the buck could come out right now from where he's been coming from and I would be fine. And then the next thing you know, I'm like, oh, well, the wind is blowing exactly where I expect the deer to come from. And then boom, blowing back the other direction. So it's just swirling all around. And, uh, man, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, okay, yeah, this, this is probably why this has been the most active scrape that I've got a camera over is because the way the wind swirls in this area. Now, it's a good spot. There's doe bedding all around, both to the north and to the south. Uh, but that whole morning, I saw only one doe. Now, she got within about five yards of me, which hunting from the ground was kind of a, a pretty awesome rush in and of itself. But... As I walked in and then as I walked out a little bit later, I realized, okay, there is not nearly the amount of deer sign in here that I've seen in years past. Now, it doesn't mean there's no deer sign. There's a good scrape out in front of me, and it's been visited in daylight, but just not nearly the number of scrapes or the size of scrapes or really much to speak of when it comes to rubs. Now, there's also some pheasant pressure in the area, so maybe the pheasant hunters were playing into that, but... Between what I had run into on day one with the guy coming in right behind me, not seeing a lot of sign, I'm beginning to think, okay, 
somebody else may be hunting in here uh, pretty hard. Like this place may be getting pretty pressured. So I pull out of that spot as uh, as the wind shifted and head to uh, another public parking lot because I'm beginning to think to myself, okay, this spot I think is just burned. Like I think people have been in here hunting it really, really hard. I'm going to go hit up this parking lot, kind of circle around from the other direction and at least see if I can get a picture of what these deer are doing because I don't think they left the area, right? Like I've got a good scrape. I've got a buck in daylight on camera. I don't think the deer have just left this these really, really good bedding areas. I think they're probably just using it differently to avoid the pressure. So Tuesday afternoon rolls around. I go down to this other spot at this public parking lot, and my plan basically is to try to loop around this spot and scout my way in. Well, I run into a guy there named Matt, and uh, Matt, thanks for swapping some information with me. I met Matt last year. Uh, we both like to hunt this this same public area. We we coordinated just a little bit, like, hey, here's what I've been seeing, and Matt confirmed for me what I was fearing, namely that the spot, kind of the area, I wouldn't say the spot, the area, let's say it's 30, 40 acres, something like that. The area that I like to hunt on this public piece has been hunted really, really hard. He said there had been like six or seven trucks within a very short span, uh, not long before I had gotten there. So I'm like, okay, this is not good. Uh, my spot is blown out. I need to go somewhere totally new, which is cool because that's what I was planning to do that afternoon anyway. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com, and share your hunt with Tacticam. So I start heading in to what looks like on Onyx when I pull it up, a really good pinch but where... Uh, a creek runs along, you've got pheasant pressure that pushes the deer back towards the creek, and then you've got a ditch that runs down the side. And I was thinking that all of that stuff kind of pinching the deer down would bring the deer within a, you know, a 100-yard span, 75-yard span, something like that, where I should be able to get in there and find some movement. And as I'm walking in, I see a deer trail. Now, it's it's nothing special. And I, I even said that on my Instagram story. Like, hey, there's a deer trail right here. It doesn't look like anything special. I'm going to push in a little bit further. Went in, got into the thick stuff, sort of right in the tightest part of this pinch. Uh, human sign ended a little bit before this. And it's, it's at that point that I found a couple of really good scrapes. And I thought, okay, I'm going to sit over these scrapes tonight, see what happens. It's still you know, November 1st at this point. And uh, so my, my thought is, hey, bucks will still be coming in to check them out, especially right there in the evening as they get up out of their beds. They'll come through there, check those scrapes. Well, I had two deer come in. Um, the first one was a doe. She busted me as I was trying to range some things. Um, just silliness. I, I, I moved from one ground setup to another. 
And I thought, okay, I need to rearrange everything around me. And she busted me when I was doing that. I had another deer come in later that evening. And both of these deer tried to angle kind of back in behind me. And that's going to be really important. That and that deer trail that I mentioned a second ago that I didn't think was anything special. Both of those two things are going to be really, really important as kind of the story concludes here in in just a bit. But those are the only two deer that I see that evening. So I pack it in, head out, and I'm thinking, okay, this spot needs an all-day sit. The next day I come in, I've got a good wind. It's supposed to be hot that day, but there's a south wind, so it's blowing away from this um, little pinch point, and I think it's going to put me in just the right spot. So I get in there an hour before daylight, get all of my stuff set up, and I'm ready for an all-day sit. I see zero deer for the entire day. I'm talking an hour before first light to finally at last light when I saw when I did see a deer. But what I heard was a bunch of deer filter through this little pinch point and work up into some bedding that was to my west and to my east, and I had a south wind. So I definitely didn't want to leave because I thought those deer had bedded down really, really close. And there were groups of deer kind of milling through. And so I thought, okay, those are probably groups of does kind of milling up into these different bedding areas to my west and to my east. But I stayed put. And then finally, about 30 minutes before dark, I hear something. And I look over there at the scrapes, and there's a really, really nice buck coming in to to those scrapes. So he comes in, he works the scrapes. And I had my sight on my bow set to 30 yards because the the trail that I thought he was going to take would bring him right in at like 29.8 yards or something like that, according to the rangefinder. Just got a new rangefinder from Vortex. It's awesome. So I'm like, all right, I'm dialed in. But this buck comes in. He's working these scrapes. I get worked up at first, and then I get myself kind of calmed back down. And as he starts to walk uh, to the second scrape he was going to work, He really acted like he was going to loop back around behind me like the deer had done the evening before. But he didn't do that. He turned and he came straight down that trail that was at 30 yards. And then he took a hard right turn. And he came basically right below me. Um, It felt like right below me. I I was up pretty high. He was probably under 15 yards. I mean, pretty close. So I've got myself calmed down. The buck's out in the open. There's nothing between me and him. I'm drawn back. I draw back whenever he gets his head behind a tree and he steps out. Everything's perfect. I squeeze the shot off and boom, I backstrap him. I mean, just barely get underneath the skin on his back. And I I had this on video and everything. I mean, it was picture perfect. It was exactly uh, everything that you could want, but I did not come home with the deer. I got down, found my arrow, There was not a speck of blood anywhere. There wasn't even blood on my arrow, just a little bit of fat and a little bit of hair. And I I looked around a little bit, but I could could tell from going back and watching the footage, like I barely skimmed the back of that deer. Like I didn't even think I actually really got below the skin at all. I mean, it just barely grazed the top of his back from what I could tell. And when I got down there to the sign on the ground, I was like, okay, this buck is fine. There's nothing, you know, he's not going to die from that shot. So I pulled out. Thursday, uh, it was time for a reset. Man, I had just sat all day in steaming hot weather the day before, uh, only to to blow my shot at last light. So Thursday rolls around. It's going to be hot again. So I decide, hey, time for a reset. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to catch up on some work. Uh, Another thing that I had done um, the day before that I checked out, though, uh, was I'm using a new site this year. And it's got an adjustment dial on the left side of the site. 
When I went to turn on the red dot on this adjustable red dot site, I accidentally grabbed the adjustment knob in the dark. And I twisted that thing, man. Like, I cranked it pretty good. So, um, anyway, I'd, I'd shot my target in my headlights that morning, got everything dialed back in before I walked up into the woods. But I did want to take some time at midday to shoot. Wanted to go grab some new broadheads because uh, I just shot one and I'm down to two at this point. So, I'm like, ah, I need a few more. So, I kind of take Thursday to get caught up on work, make sure my bow is sighted in real well, and just rebuild that confidence when it comes to my shooting. So Friday rolls back around. I'm back in to uh, a new spot now. I'm on kind of the far side of what I consider the the sort of core bedding area. And I, I'm trying to let the spot that I had just sat at on uh, Wednesday uh, rest for a little while. I end up getting settled in to this ground blind type of area up on a knoll about a mile and a quarter back in. Uh, I've got three strips of timber that are kind of all coming together at this one spot with marsh all around it. There's a land bridge to one side of me and a creek crossing to the other that makes really good crossing for this ditch and also this creek that's back behind me. So I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a great spot. If there are any bucks cruising through here, this is going to be awesome. Not to mention this spot also had a lot of observation value. So I could see about 250 to 300 yards of marsh out in front of me and all that kind of you know, marsh canary grass stuff, it kind of started to, to fall down just a little bit. It had been raining and really windy. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be a great sit. I'm either going to have one cruise by at 20 yards, or I'm going to be able to get eyes on something, possibly even be able to make a move on something. And this, this is another one of those days, uh, really the first day that there was just a ton of rain. Like it started raining at 8 a.m. And I sat in the rain until gosh, two o'clock that afternoon. And we had some thunderstorms that were starting to roll in. There was some thunder and some lightning before it really all set in though. I said, okay, I want to get up and just burn through this bedding area real fast. I want to confirm or deny what I think is like this developing picture in my mind of what the deer are using, how they're navigating this little pinch point area. Um, and just kind of put all the pieces together for me. So I run through, I take the opportunity with all the rain coming, with all the wind cover that I have, burn through this bedding area and learn an absolute ton. So I stuck all that in my back pocket. I'm pretty sure that what I thought on Wednesday uh, was how the deer were using that area. I thought, okay, this confirms everything that I, that I thought I knew already. Um, anyway, started the storm. I got out of there. By the time I get back to the truck, it's like, hailing and lightning and thunder and all those things that you don't want to be around. So I pack it in for the rest of the day and head back out to the house where I'm staying. And of course, I get a picture of an absolutely massive 11 point that I missed by like an hour and a half. As soon as that rain kind of tapered off just a little bit, boom, he was out right where I thought he was going to be. And I did not get an opportunity at him, but that's okay because I've learned an absolute ton at this point and I'm feeling really confident in my previous setup. So Saturday rolls around. Saturday also is going to have a lot of rain. I'm waiting out the rain because there could be some more thunderstorms rolling through. There were projected to be thunderstorms rolling through. And so I wait that out. I walk back into the spot where I was on the evening that I grazed the buck. Now, this was a crazy evening. There were 30-mile-per-hour winds. Uh, the, fifth, the, the temperature was supposed to drop by 15 degrees from the time that I got into the woods before, uh, before dark. And, um, man, I got in there and like an hour after being on stand, so somewhere around one forty-five or so, 
I passed a 90-inch nine-point. Now, uh, any other year, that deer would have gotten it really, really quickly. But I knew it was in the area. Uh, I knew I still had a decent amount of time, still had like a week left. I knew what was in there, and so I was like, okay, this deer gets a pass this year. Now, this nine-point, at this little pinch point where I was, where I missed the deer or grazed the deer just a few days earlier, he also was going to work his way back in behind me. And I just think to myself, okay, that's weird, but that, hey, that other buck came through and he gave me a 15-yard shot, so that's what I'm banking on again. I see nothing for the rest of the evening. Not surprising, 30-plus mile-an-hour winds, 40-plus mile-an-hour gusts. I mean, the craziest wind that I've ever hunted in probably wasn't very safe. Um, The only thing that kept me in the tree was the thought of trying to climb down in the heavy winds was like, uh uh-oh, that that could get sketchy in a hurry. So I was hoping things would start to die down right at dark. But I don't see another deer until I'm on my way out, and I'm walking back through the woods, and at this spot, that same deer trail that I said wasn't very impressive – Um, a few days before there are a couple of deer there on that deer trail. And from the looks of it, um, it was a buck following a doe and they were just walking down that trail. And I thought again, huh, that's weird. Another couple of deer getting in behind me. Now at this point, several, several deer have told me they want to be crossing behind me. The only one that had crossed in front of me was that buck that I missed or that I grazed and he was barely in front of me, right? Like he was real close and he was kind of angling up towards where I had been seeing these other deer. But again, the scrapes were down where I was. The better trail was down where I was. And I thought that was the one that was going to be hot. That area was going to be the ticket. So with the high winds the evening before, I got in and out pretty quiet. I go in for Sunday or go in on Sunday for an all-day sit. And I sit in the exact same spot. I see... Uh, a doe on the way in on that exact same trail that I'm thinking wasn't a very good trail, right? Again, so at this point, too many deer have told me that's the trail they like to use, and I'm just not listening. I'm just being stubborn. And I told myself that morning, if I see a deer on that trail, I'm going to stop short, and I'm going to set up right there instead of pushing all the way in. I saw a deer when I got there. I still pushed all the way in. I sat all day long and only saw uh, one buck, chase, a small buck, chase a, a doe through there right around midday. That was the only action that I had. The wind shifted uh, around the mid-afternoon time frame, so I decided, okay, I'm going to get out of here before the wind totally shifts, try to circle around the other side of this bedding area with a west-southwest wind with, uh, you know, one I uh, hunted a few days before with bedding to my north and to my south, so this should be good. This episode is brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their optimal wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. So I circle around Sunday afternoon to this other bedding area that I'd hunted a few days before. Got bedding to my north, bedding to my south. And as I get into the timber, I'm noticing that there is a new sign that was not here just a few days earlier. There were new scrapes. There were brand new rubs that were super, super fresh. And I'm wondering, okay, did a buck just move in? Did the, did the hunting pressure move out? Like what happened? What's going on? Um, 
there there must be a new buck that has moved in and decided to call this home for at least a couple of days. So I work my way in there on this trail and I cross this trail again, a, a different trail, but one that I was like, mm, that's not very impressive. And I even put in my Instagram story, hey, there's a trail right here downwind of me. I There's intersecting trails out in front of me though. I'm just going to hope the deer don't use that trail behind me. Well, seven of eight deer that I saw that evening all used that trail, including a 110 inch eight point that worked out at like 420 in the afternoon, 415, something like that. Got straight downwind and he busted me before I could get a shot off at him. Super disappointing, but that was a buck that I had not had on camera in this area. And I was running quite a few cameras in the area. So I was pretty familiar with pretty much all the bucks that were moving through. So I end up getting picked by uh, or getting winded by seven of eight deer, no, eight of nine deer, sorry, that I saw that evening, which was really disappointing. Right after that buck came through, a bunch of does came through. And I thought to myself, man, this could have been perfect had I just backed off just a little bit, waited just a little bit. I could have shot that buck, then shot a doe when she came through and boom, I'm stacked up with deer meat. I'm good to go for the year. But again, I push in too far. I see the sign and I just, I just decide to dive all the way in being as aggressive as I can be when the better play may have been to kind of stage hunt it in just a little bit, just hit the first spot, watch that trail the next day, go back in. Well, when the next day rolls around, of course, the wind is just right. I could have slow played it the evening before and gone back in there um, that next morning. But I get back in there and I, I stay just a little bit shy, right? Like I don't push as far in as I'd done the day before because, hey, you fooled me yesterday. You're not going to fool me today. Well, I get in there and about 45 minutes after legal light, a hunter comes strolling in. Shortly before him, a small six-point had come through. I thought the deer was just kind of cruising. But it was pretty obvious after that hunter came in, it's like, okay, you, you bumped that buck up, you got him on his feet, and then uh, you pushed your way on in here. So I kind of whistle at the guy like, hey, somebody's here. He, uh, you know, politely throws his stand and everything back on his back, but then proceeds to tromp straight through this entire bedding area to my north. And I think, okay, well, the deer yesterday mostly came from the bedding area to the south, so whatever, it's fine. Well, then I get a picture of this hunter on my cell cam about 100 yards down this little road that I'm hunting on. And, of course, he's crossing over into the bedding area on the south, and the wind is horrible. So he is literally wind bumping both bedding areas with the way he's crossing through there. But I stick it out. I'm like, hey, these deer have been pressured hard at this point. They, they may put up with a little bit of human intrusion. They may just ignore him. A buck still may cruise through here, like a, a, a buck that was a half a mile away earlier today could end up cruising through here in the middle of the day. So we'll just wait it out and see. Well, about midday, the wind started shifting and kind of, and I kind of expected it to. Uh, it got to the point, though, where by the time it shifted, it was bad for the spot where I was, but not good enough and predictable enough for me to feel like going in to another spot for that new wind because it was kind of doing that thing, you know, when the wind starts to switch, and it just kind of swirls, so it'll blow this way for a while and then this way for a while. So it's kind of out of the, the west a little bit. And then every now and then you get a strong southerly push or a strong northern push. And it was just in all directions. So I decided, you know what, it's time for a change of pace, a time for a change of scenery. So I pull out the Onyx, and I start going through properties in the area. And I'm looking at 
you know, something that has kind of what I'm looking for when it comes to the rut. That is, I need a lot of terrain features all coming together. I need good doe bedding. And I'm trying to find a spot at this point that's had very little pressure on it. I find this little private piece, call up the landowner. Uh, Landowner's like, yeah, sure, go give it a shot. But when I get there, this place is still in standing corn. I think that's all right. I'll walk the perimeter and get to where I need to be. Well, once I get back to the back wood line, there is like no perimeter between the corn and the woods. the, The corn is basically butting up against the woods, the briars and all that stuff from the woods kind of hanging out into the corn. Uh, I tried to kind of plow my way back towards there, but then I'm just seeing tree stand, tree stand, tree stand, tree stand. And this lady doesn't let anybody else hunt on this property. It's the adjacent landowner who is trespassing on her property. A lot of the stands are on his land, uh, but several of them are on trees that she actually owns. So this guy's a piece of work trespassing on some property that, you know, he he's real strict about not letting anybody on his land, but he's more than happy to you know, fudge his way kind of over onto hers. But, uh, hey, if you're listening and that's you or you do that kind of stuff, you need to quit it. Like, that's just a big jerk move. So, anyway, by the time the wind finally decides what it wants to do, it's too late in the day to really make another play at a spot on public. Now, I've got a spot that's really good for this wind, but it's either a mile-plus hike in and then put on the waders and cross a creek or – you start from the other end and you canoe your way in. And it, it just wasn't, wasn't going to give me enough time, right? So I decided, you know what? I'm pretty much digging being in this truck right now with a bottle of water sitting next to me. I'm going to go and glass some new areas, maybe find a buck on, on a piece of public. And so I go out and I look for some public that's really, really open. And it almost works out for me. I get to this spot. It's beautiful. I'm seeing lots of deer that are out moving around in this kind of prairie grass kind of stuff. I find a good buck right before last light, and he's on a, a good steady clip heading towards public, and I'm thinking, okay, this is it. So I drive down there to the public. I'm watching this buck. I've got some new uh, 12 by 50 Viper HDs and uh, from Vortex, and, dude, they will reach out there. Uh, so I was able to really glass this buck and keep an eye on him as he's moving to it. Finally, he stops at this little like low area in an ag field where there's a bunch of water and he just mills around there forever. And it, it very quickly becomes obvious, okay, this buck's not making it to this property uh, onto public before the end of legal light. So I continue to drive around, find an ag field, see two really, really good bucks bristling up at each other, posturing at each other with their ears all dropped back. And this is a private ag field that butts up to the other piece of public that I'd been hunting. Now, there's no good access to this field to get to this far side of this piece of public. It's about a mile and a half plus walk to get back into there. There's no trail cut to it. It's just busting your way through the marsh to get back in there. But I've got these two bucks in my mind, and I'm thinking, okay, if I get a good wind, I'm probably going to get a good wind on like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And at this point, uh, I forget what day it is. I think it's Wednesday or Thursday. But I'm thinking, okay. I can push my way back in here if nothing else, and I know there's a couple of good bucks and a good concentration of does way back in this spot. So all of that brings me to day number nine. I've told you about this area that I've been hammering. I've told you that it was near a pinch point, that there's bedding to the east and to the west, and that I'd been pushing in probably a little bit too far. The deer had been trying to tell me, hey, this little trail that's not very impressive that's the one that we're using. 
So I pull out Onyx and I start using their elevation exaggeration feature. And I notice on there that there's a little dip along this ditch that I had been hunting near. And I thought, I wonder if they're crossing that ditch further up from the creek and actually back here where that dip begins, like right at the beginning of the dip, because it looks like on the map that coincides with that little trail. Even though it wasn't very impressive, that would mean the deer were pinched in a really, really narrow area, a span of about 20 yards and not nearly as far in as I'd been walking. So I'm thinking, okay, this could be it. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to throw a sit at it, but I'm going to do all day long. I'm just going to sit from dark to dark. Uh, I get in there right at gray light because I need to pick out the right tree because, man, it is super thick, super nasty in there. I get set up in the right tree, and not long after that, a little buck cruises through. Uh, I posted that on my Instagram story, and I'm like, okay, little confidence booster. Uh, Shortly after that, another little buck cruises through, and I got a little video of that on my Instagram, and I'm like, okay, I've got the spot dialed now. Then a little while later, a third little buck cruises through. And then I I update the story and I'm like, guys, I think this is the spot. Like, I think this is where it's going to happen. And I'd said that a few days earlier about the general area and uh, really meant the spot that I was hunting a little bit further in. But on this particular morning with the way those deer were using this little uh, dip in the ditch. So when I got there, the the elevation exaggeration feature on Onyx had showed me and, and I'd confirmed with a visual. Yes, there's a little dip right here in this ditch. The banks aren't nearly as steep. This is where the deer are crossing. This episode is brought to you by Deer Lab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. Deer Lab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, like deer or turkeys or people. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you forget to correct the time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com now for your free 30-day trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to purchase, you can use the code WISCONSIN, all caps, at checkout for 20% off of any of their plans. So I'm thinking, all right, this spot's dialed now. A deer's going to come through here. I just need the right one. Then all of a sudden, a doe and two fawns come from the other direction. They cross in the same area, and I'm like, okay, it's game on. It's happening here. I basically want to pick up my bow and hold it in my hand all day because I'm so confident at this point that it's going to happen in this spot. Well, then midday rolls around, and I don't see any more deer. And I sit there for the afternoon. I don't see any deer. I'm like, okay, this isn't good. All the deer I'd seen that morning had crossed within 20 yards, uh, you know, most of them probably within 10 yards of the tree that I was in. And I'm like, man, what is going on? Is there not just, just not going to be any evening movement that night? So anyway, I'm sitting there and I hear some rattling right around 440. And I'm like, oh man, there's a guy closer to me than, than I thought he was. And turns out it was the guy, Matt, that I talked to in the parking lot earlier. And I hear some rattling. And then five minutes later, I hear a bow go off and the unmistakable sound of an arrow hitting the body cavity of a deer. I'm like, oh my goodness, whoever that is over there just smoked one. And, dude, my confidence just plummets. I haven't seen a deer since, you know, 10 o'clock that morning or whatever it was. This guy just shot a deer 200 yards from me, and I so close I could hear his bow go off and hear the arrow hit the deer. I'm like, man, this is, this is not good. But I sit there. I'm going to sit it out. And, gosh, probably another 
five or so minutes goes by and I hear something and I see movement and then I see an antler, but I can't really tell from this antler whether it's one of the small bucks that I'd been seeing uh, or another small buck or something good, but I don't care. With the way the deer cross this little ditch, by the time they pop up, they are in my lap basically 15 yards away and I didn't want to chance it. So I go ahead and get the bow, I get everything ready and I'm waiting for this deer to pop up on this side of the ditch because I could tell he went down into the ditch. He pops up, and it's a stud. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a great buck. He pops up over the little hillside. He comes walking in. He takes the exact same trail that one of the little bucks and the doe and two fawns had taken earlier, comes in right to 15 yards, and I just let him have it, man. And I didn't make a great shot. I actually spined him. Followed it up real quick with a with a follow up shot and uh, you know dispatched him, put him out of his misery, whatever you want to call it. And uh, man, that that's when I start losing it, right? Because like now there's not even a track job. Like this deer is on the ground right here in front of me. All the hard work, all of the second guessing, all of the sweat and the wind and the rain and the cold and the heat, all of it just did not matter anymore and actually made the story all the more sweet. Now that I'd finally had success, this buck is right beneath me at 10 yards dead. He's done. And I'm like, okay, now the celebration can begin. Now I can actually start to kind of party a little bit. Like I don't even have to worry about going and tracking this thing. This is awesome. So I call my wife and I'm freaking out. I'm like, I couldn't believe, can't believe this just happened. Shot a monster. This is awesome. Biggest buck. For me, by far, I call her, I call my dad, I call all the people that I need to while I'm in a tree. And uh, then I go to get out of the tree and I'm, sh- I'm kind of shaking up and I'm, I'm just telling myself like, okay, Josh, you've waited a long time to kill a buck this big. Just get your stuff out of the tree slowly and carefully. Do not die. Basically, don't, don't clip something wrong. Don't mess something up. Uh, don't fall out of this tree and seriously injure yourself. Like, be here in the moment. So I do everything as slowly as possible, get all my gear on the ground, actually pack it all up with this buck laying 10 yards away, pack all my gear up. I get over there to him and he is, he's more of a buck than I, than I could have asked for. I mean, I would have been happy with a hundred inch, 110 inch, eight point, And, um, he turned out to be a lot more than that. So I get over there to the buck and I'm checking him out, looking at his rack. It's just beautiful. He's about 140 inch, nine point, just Man, more than I ever could have asked for. And I'm already thinking like, okay, taxidermy bill. Like, here we go. Like, how am I going to get this dude out of here? Because he's obviously really heavy. And I start to examine a little bit where my hip was. And I notice that this buck had a scar on his back. This was the same exact buck that I'd hit the week prior. Um, I'd gotten just underneath the hide, but not like, down into him enough to really get much into muscle. It was kind of weird. It was like it went between his skin and his and his muscle and had, had just barely slipped underneath the, the fur on him, basically, and uh, didn't cut him or anything like that, just was a little hole, entrance and exit, right there on, on the top of his back. So what sweet redemption to end up with this buck and to just, I mean, my goodness, like I said, a better buck than I could have expected or or really wanted. A couple of things, though, as I kind of wrap all of this up to say a few keys to my success, but also a few things that I, that I failed on. 
I think the first failure was refusing to see what the deer were trying to tell me, right? Like several times in this spot, the deer tried to tell me, hey, we really, really like this trail over here. And when you push in that far, we're going behind you. We're skirting you. Uh, We don't want to be that far down. So I go back in there after I get this buck cleaned up and uh, taken care of the next day. I go back in there to pull some cameras, and I realize, okay, the trail that I thought was a good trail was not actually a good trail. It was an old trail, and it hadn't been used recently. What happened? Well, there's a huge tree that basically broke in half and blocked that trail. So what the deer had done is adjust, and they were now moving back behind me because if they couldn't use that trail that was further in, the water gets too deep in this ditch in both spots. On, on Well, there's actually another ditch. So there's a ditch to my west and a ditch to my east. And the deer were using a dip in the ditch to cross uh, the ditch that was to my, let's see, east. And then they were going up around to where the water was shallower on the ditch that was on my other side. So they were trying to tell me all along exactly what they wanted, exactly how they wanted to move through there. Turns out seeing that buck uh, on that first day that I shot at him was kind of a fluke. I think he had been using that further back trail all along. And that's the second part. I let success in one spot dictate how I hunted that area for the rest of my time until this until day nine. So for, for three more sits, I think it was. Uh, I let a little bit of success in one spot dictate how I hunted rather than making adjustments to what the deer were doing. And if I'd continued to do that, I would not have this buck right now because he wouldn't have been anywhere near me and I wouldn't have seen him at all had I not made that adjustment. Um, The next mistake, obviously, was when it comes to the rain, I trusted the weatherman a little too much. I should have been just sitting in my truck and waiting for the rain to stop and then, boom, been right back out there in the stand as soon as it let up. Instead, I kind of watched the weather and said, well, okay, but there's another thunderstorm going to roll through and, you know, in an hour it'll be clear. Well, that hour, it, it cost me really on a, on a really nice 11 point that uh, was just a little bit further down. And so um, I missed him by an hour and a half. And if I had hit right back in there as soon as the rain quit, rather than just saying, well, this, the radar says this, um, then I w- would have potentially had a chance at, at that buck. Uh, Oh, another mistake. I was familiar with my new site, but familiar in the sense of shooting in the backyard. I wasn't familiar from the sense of what do I do when a deer walks in at 20 or 15 and my pin is set at 30? Like I hadn't run that drill mentally in my mind enough times. And so that's, you better believe that's one thing I'm going to be working on this off season. Like pin set at 30, uh uh-oh, deer's at 15, where do I need to aim? I hadn't done quite enough of that. Now, a couple of things that I did really, really well on this trip. Number one, I used all the tools that were, were given to me. Like I used uh, ground blind setups. I used um, tree setups where I climbed with my saddle. I was super aggressive using Onyx to um, find new areas and new spots and, and really use that to dial in the areas where I was hunting I made the absolute most of the camo that I've got, uh, wearing the rain gear at the right time. Um, and I, j- I just kind of did all of that right. When it comes to the tools that I have, I put them to use in the best way possible. So another thing that I did really well was I took a reset when I needed it. If I needed to sleep in, I slept in. When I wanted to take a day off, 
I took a day off and got caught up on work stuff. Uh, when I needed a change of scenery, I pulled out the Onyx Hunt app and found a new place to go, um, you know, by, by calling landowners. So, you know, a lot of that I'm really, really proud of. What I'm most proud of, though, I think, is that I just didn't give up, man. Those of you who are watching the story, you saw I just kept after it and kept after it and kept after it. And for that, I have to say thanks to you guys because I got so many messages, so many people saying, buddy, keep grinding, keep after it. Man, I'm love wa- I love watching your stories. Like, I'm keeping up with everything you're doing. Like, I, I can't wait to see what happens next. And I think if it wasn't for all of you who are giving me the encouragement and checking in with me and, you know, telling me to get after them and letting me run stuff by you. If it wasn't for you guys, I probably would have spent a lot less time hunting than I did, or at least not made as good of decisions as I did as far as how I spent my time. But because of you and because of knowing that my family back here at home was, you know, sacrificing a lot for me to get that time in the woods, I just kept grinding. I kept a good attitude. I stayed as positive as I possibly could. And then right when I was kind of at my lowest, that voice steps in and it's like, what do you even think you're doing? How do you even think you can have a hunting podcast? You're a big dope. You're out here. You're not going to see anything. Uh, that's when it all came together, man. So, you know, encouragement for you moving forward, maybe something you can learn from. Number one, when the deer, when the deer tell you something, listen. Like, make the adjustment right away when the deer tell you something because I may have tagged out sooner. Number two, get super familiar with your gear, especially if you've got an adjustable sight on your bow. You know, set it to 30 and say, "Uh uh-oh, deer's at 10. Now what do I do? Where do I need to aim? Um, Also, get some good hunting buddies, man. Like, find people that are going to encourage you and keep talking to you and let you run things by them, even when uh, things aren't going your way, when you're feeling kind of down, when you're feeling kind of tired, because friends like that will keep you going. And then finally, don't be afraid to do some in-season scouting. Man, I would not have been on the deer like I was if I had not continued to scout, if I had been too cautious or too worried that, hey, the deer are going to catch my ground scent if I go in there and blow this up, if I hadn't blown up that bedding area or if I hadn't gone in and and pushed a little further one day on my way out, uh, checking this area out, I would not have been able to confirm what I think the hunt app was showing me and I would not have set up in that spot and I would not have gotten that deer most likely. So Uh, Anyway, that's my story, man. Thanks so much for listening. I didn't know it would actually go on for this long, but hey, uh, if you find this encouraging, if you learn anything from it, please reach out and let me know. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening this week. If you could go leave us a five-star review. If you're not already following me on Instagram, you can go do that at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. And until next week, make sure you're doing something to get outside and enjoy the incredible resources that are ours as Wisconsin Sportsmen. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.